You are now tuned in to Conscientization 101, an online magazine combining reflection, music, and action through independent media. In America, the capitalist system not only makes the people stupid, but keeps them arrogant in their stupidity. This stupidity in the country, this calculated stupidity, affects the African masses more because they read even less than the others. And they need to read more than the others. Our people suffer because they lack knowledge. At this stage of human development, one of the best ways to acquire knowledge indirectly is through reading. This new book, man. Yo, this shit is so deep, yo. Shit got my mind thinking about a whole new other format, man. You know what I'm saying? Fuck a book, man. The book is fucking your head up, man. Yo, when's the last time you read anything, man? Never, motherfucker. Too many books, like your jeans through your face Chat shit, act thick, practice your backflip Put your motherfucking arse out from the cameras Provide the entertainment for your coachable betters Men of letters think we could only be smart if they let us No knowledge ain't for punks, they market it like it is Cause who the fuck wants to be cotton from fresh prints But geeks design the systems, the visions, the politicians Malthus and the Smiths, we're living in their vision So knowledge is power for devouring cowards It showered you with propaganda each and every hour That's why Malcolm never died just another tug on the road, a symbol over the globe Cause did you know the most rebellious thing you can do is get educated Forget what they told you in school, get educated I ain't saying play by the rules, get educated Get educated, get educated, get educated Break the chains of their enslavement, get educated Even if you're on the pavement, get educated What a weapon that your brain is, get educated testimony <laughs> I, I know i'm coming in kind of early and shit you know what i'm saying but i'd be that should be jamming shoot um that's shit that's his test that's the testimony that logic testimony that is the testimony the testimony uh yeah yeah i know i'm singing renee's soul part but i ain't got no soul where i can sing and shit you know but actually you have a pretty good voice i appreciate that like, hold on hold on Ooh, ooh, this is my <laughs> testimony. I'm gonna leave that shit to Logic, Renee, Soul, Els, and you know Shadia Marsour who can sing and like rap. Man, like Don M do. I man, look. Anyway, that's why I do what I do, and I feature the music. We feature the music. Then I go on that individual thing. Been watching too much capitalist shit. Um. Anyway, I'm digressing. I am yo. You know one of the. I'm part of a co-host team, the editors of Conscientization 101. I'm on deck today with my co-host and co-editor, Zara Sundiata. How you doing, Zara? Hi. Hi. Yes, uh, she's <laughs> actually doing quite fine. You're like, Hi, how are you doing? How your mom and them doing? That's Hi, good, baby. Fine. You gonna get you some of that chicken over there? Okay. I can't help it. Everybody says I have a sing song voice. Yeah. Hi. Hi. How y'all doing? That's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like the African on the plantation. How y'all doing? <laughs> Man. Shut up. I'm one of the field Negroes. 
Why I say feel nigga? I'm a feel nigga. I ain't no feel nigga. Shit, I'm chopping heads. They call me Jean Jacques Dessalines. I'm a runaway slave. Run away, run away, cause you know why? <laughs> run away, run away. But you know why they say run away? Cause that was my testimony. <laughs> y'all, that, y'all need to listen. That's all. I'll be like, well, shit. I'm gonna have a record on 16. Listen to that shit, boy. That's your church music. What 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 uh what did Logic what did Logic say? Listen, I, I tell y'all, listen, because we about to get into the show. All right, today we are gonna feature part one, part one of a series of interviews we did while we were in the Bay Area. And uh, sorry, when we was in the bay, I can't remember shit. When were we in the bay? When were we in the bay? Now she can't remember. That was in February, mid-February. Mid-February of what year? Of 2014. All right, cool. All right, so we were there, and we can. This is going to be part one of a two-part interview that was conducted over two days, and we sat down with the authors of the book. Called, what's the name of the book, Zari? Since you're holding it in your hand as I look at you right now. It's called Catastrophism. Is that all it's called? Girl, read the title. Oh, sorry. Catastrophism. The apocalyptic politics of collapse and rebirth. It's hard for me to say apocalyptic. Well, see, we're trying to have a level of professionalism. See, we, we wanna, <laughs> we, we're trying to do the Garvey thing and shit, do repatriation, but it's finding it hard to say apocalyptic. <laughs> you can't suddenly say nothing more apocalyptic than Africans in uh, the yeah, America. That's, that's some apocalyptic shit. Yes, it is. Anyway. It's no good. It ain't no good. And then, you go, <laughs> then you know what you're going to have to do, right? What? You have to give your testimony. <laughs> we, I love that song. Yeah, anyway, uh, so the first part of the interview, the first part of the show, the series of interviews, it took place in People's Park in Berkeley, and we sat down with the author, one of the contributors of, of this volume, one Mr. Eddie Ewan. Uh, Zari, tell us a little something about uh, the piece Eddie wrote, what's the name of it, and give us a little bio on, on Eddie. I am going to tell you the definition of catastrophism. Well, I, li- I like how she got that in there, you know. <laughs> I did forget to mention that, but she, you see, she, she did that quite naturally, so that's why I'm not telling you this now. But go ahead and do that. Catastrophism presumes that society is headed for a collapse, whether economic, ecological, social, or spiritual. This collapse is frequently, but not always, regarded as a great cleansing out of which a new society will be born. So Eddie Ewan teaches urban studies at the San Francisco Art Institute and is on the editorial board of the journal Capitalism, Nature, Socialism. Ewan is also the co-editor with Daniel Burton Rose and George Katsiafakis of Confronting Capitalism, Dispatches from a Global Movement. And Eddie's piece in this book was called The Politics of Failure Have Failed, The Environmental Movement and Catastrophism. Another thing about Eddie Ewan, Eddie Ewan is like, you know, that that brother can talk, but he can talk like me. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, this is this is definitely a good dialogue you're about to hear. And um, uh, one of the things we discussed before the interview, we was talking about... Um, we were talking about music. We were talking about hip-hop. And uh, he had mentioned to me, like, um, about the Ghetto Boys, you know, us being from Texas. They're like, yeah, the Ghetto Boys, yeah, from Texas. Everybody know about the damn Ghetto Boys. I mean, shit. You know, and so he was like, yeah, man, I know about the Ghetto Boys. He said, man, it was a song I used to love called. I ain't going to walk for a shit-talking president. I ain't going to walk for a shit-talking president. 
I was listening to that the other day. So that's Eddie Ewan, man. Eddie Ewan, we was talking about the Ghetto Boys. Then what else we start talking about? We start talking about Screw. What? Screw, yep. I'm draped up and dripped out. Know what I'm talking about. Three in the morning, getting a get out the stash spot. Five up a fat sweet, turning on the bug lights. Hand on the wood grain, ass on the tight white. Showing naked ass in the great state of Texas. Home of the player, so it never be no plexus. So long we've been waiting, never ever hating. In Houston, we elbows and Cali, they dating. We was talking about DJ Screw, so we was talking about the environment and Screw, and not screwing the environment, but you, y'all know what I'm, y'all know see what I'm getting at. So, <laughs> chopped and screwed. We, yeah, the, the environment is it definitely is chopped, chopped and, screwed. and screwed, right? <laughs> it's chopped and screwed. It's been chopped and screwed. <laughs> but that's what they do. They chop it and screw it, and then they make a market for it. <laughs> then they say they're making everything better because they're going to chop and screw your ass, and then they're going to sell your ass. God Literally. bless America. I'm glad they. I'm glad they stole me. Right. Anyway, they chopped God and screwed God bless me. the whole white world. God bless them. God bless everyone. <laughs> they always God blessing shit. They, if they stop fucking up shit, maybe they wouldn't have to. God bless every goddamn thing so much. I, I just just the thought. Okay, we digress. We're gonna get into this phenomenal dialogue we had with Eddie Ewan at People's Park, February of 2000. 14. We start off this part of the interview with Eddie responding to my question about the thesis of his piece. Without further ado, take it away, Mr. Eddie Ewan. So, so number one, the clear message is this is not going away and it's going to affect everything that we talk about. But we can't simply assume that the crisis will be its own solution. Right. In other words, and it's a similar thing, and I know you're going to talk to, to Sasha Lilly about the capitalist crisis, is just because the economy tanks and people are unemployed you know, doesn't mean that people join the revolution. Sometimes they can join fascism. Sometimes they can go down the path of drugs and you know and depression and depression you know and all these kinds of, of situations. So we can have this crisis looming, and it's an opportunity. Um, it's a, it's a desperate opportunity because you know this is the worst extinction crisis in 70 million years. That doesn't happen. This is not just a regular occurrence. There's only been six of these events, including this one, in the history of the planet that we know about. So this is not, you know, we talk about, well... We the dinosaurs next. Yeah, this is the real thing as far as this crisis. This is not, you know, you talk about whatever, the millennium or something. No, this is like beyond the millennium, you know, but, and so, and and it's, and it's real. So, (laughs) so we're all going to be talking about this, whether you know it or not, you know, we're all going to be talking about the climate because this is like, it's going to affect every aspect of life. And so it's, I just think getting ahead of the game on this, in terms of understanding what are the solutions that capital is going to offer, what are the different players in the world system, the different nation states going to offer? Because some nations, you know, they may they see what's going on, but their whole um, power in the world is based on fossil fuels, like Russia, you know, Venezuela, you know, is another example. So unless you know, we're talking about what needs to be done, just as a as a, to even have a hope of of, of solving this is. Um, what Christian Parenti talks about is euthanizing, euthanizing the fossil fuel industry. You know, carbon has to be kept in the ground, and we have to actually talk about talk about decarbonizing the planet at this point. And um, and we're not there yet, but I think there are movements. I mean, I think we have to even with 350.org, you know, at least bringing this question to the table. Like, if if all the fossil fuel that's in the reserves that the multinationals and the state oil companies have, if they burn all that, it's over. It may be over already. We may already be at the point where we have to come up with technologies to start to, you know, to decarbonize. Certainly, carbon sequestering—that's one of these 
things that they're looking for investment for for climate climate capitalism. So, so this would be I think you know the point is that you know we're going to have to come up with we want to be people that are oriented towards justice that are thinking about um, you know a better world. Like it or not, we can't. We have to in, engage with this issue and not let the table, not let the, the parameters be drawn by you know the usual suspects. Yeah, and I think that's important because, like I was telling you, I was at an oil and gas conference in Houston, and they denied groundwater contamination and said that there is an abundance of oil and gas forever and ever, even though this is a finite resource. I don't know how that works. So you know, it's important to understand that it is a real crisis. <laughs> yeah. There is groundwater yeah. contamination, and the person said it while they were drinking bottled water. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to deny it. They will, and they and, and they will continue to deny it. Yeah. I just want to say with the slide, they will continue to deny that there's a climate crisis. They will continue to deny how serious it is. But at the same time, they're also going to be, on the other hand of capital, they're going to be saying, "Oh, there's a crisis. There's you're a going to have to go along with our solution. Yeah. Our solution is you're going to have to face austerity, right? right? We're so, the experts. Right? We know." Yeah. And, and and you know and it's like guess what austerity is it doesn't sell well in the global south because because the IMF <laughs> they kind of know about yeah, that right yeah exactly we've been told since the Reagan era in America to be austerity where the rich get richer and the poor get austerity and in the planet the IMF says you guys have to you know cut your budgets you know and cut your your subsidies and you you go with the market while the rich countries don't play by the market rules so austerity is 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 the prescription for every solution. I think environmentalists need to check themselves a little bit on this language of austerity. It's like, okay, yes, people need to consume less stuff that's terrible, but a lot of the consumption is built in. People can't, yeah. you know, people live in food deserts, they're going to eat crap food. Yeah. People have to go to work, they have to drive because there's no... So I think that besides austerity, environmentalists especially, and I speak very broadly because environmentalism is not just this white, you know, privileged movement. There's around the world, there's, you know environmentalism of the poor we can call it that you have to offer something more than more austerity we have to also offer yeah there's something that you benefit from from joining this maybe a better life maybe a healthier food but i think especially being part of of other people because overcoming that fragmentation that's going to get us through this um is is not going to get us through there individually survivalists living in a bunker with canned food you know we're going to have to be, be working together here Okay, Eddie, you said something. I want to, we want to get down to, we want to, we want to discuss an acronym mm. of this fine young female named Tina that you <laughs> described. Tina, yes. Tina, but I want to talk about Tina <laughs> in relationship to what you said. And it's pretty much what, pretty much what you kind of were breaking down earlier, but I want to talk about a relationship to what you said on, in, in Catastrophism on page 37 when you said, in the United States, a collapsing, educational system, deep-seated anti-intellectualism, and a proud celebration of scientific ignorance typified by right-wing talk radio in Houston, oh no, that was me, I'm sorry, <laughs> are commonly thought to be the wellsprings of popular resistance to scientific narratives. On the ethical level, many subjects of late capitalist consumer society can only extend compassion to individuals of a species or at best to domesticated animals or quote, charismatic megafauna, end quote, with which they are familiar. In a similar way, many people need a familiar, quote, human interest, unquote, 
narrative to be able to relate to a quote unquote story. This is typified by the masses public outcry over a U.S. soldier uh, over a U.S. soldier killing a puppy in Iraq, which can contrasted to U.S. public indifference to the killing of tens of thousands of Iraqi civilians. Popular skepticism towards scientific claims is not always is not always based on ignorance or alienation, however. The long history of complex of complexity between science and corporate and state power has created a deep climate of popular distrust that renders a simple revealing of environmental truth, quote-unquote truth, to be problematic so can you explain that and talk about this this lady tina wow there's a lot <laughs> yeah so each one of those you know is, is um i'd say a little bit more i mean tina is just an acronym right and uh it's actually founded by another woman uh margaret thatcher oh wow uh, who is ronald reagan's good friend cheers they, mike yeah <laughs> and they brought on you know tina. the uh the end of what used to be known as the welfare state you know the keynesian yes. deal that capitalism had made after the great depression of the 30s Saved itself. where it was like yeah you know we got to give people basic income we still have social security out of that period but but tina is basically saying we're going to cut all that we're going to cut every aspect of the state except for prisons and the military basically and uh, and there is no alternative that's what it tina. means there is no alternative so it gets us used to this idea that we can't ask for more and yes. it's and it's and of course and we've really internalized this. And, of course, the question is, well, who do we ask for more from? Do we ask for more from the state? A lot of people don't want to ask for stuff from the state because it comes with strings attached. But then if we don't ask for it from the state, then we have to ask for it of the system. And companies aren't bringing it to us, right? What is it that's going to deliver the basic, not just basic human needs, but really a better life given the amount of wealth that this system produces? Because the one thing about capitalism, you have to say, it produces wealth. It just doesn't distribute it very equally and getting worse all the time, you know. So, but th so there is no alternative. This can only be refuted by doing something in practice that says no, there is an alternative. Because if that's if that's the only solution and that solution is killing the planet, then that is insane by any definition. So that is where Tina has gotten us. There, there, there must be alternatives to this. But to go back, you know, you're talking about why is it, you know, that people aren't you know, in the streets doing more, um, it's, you know, this is the problem of catastrophism. And this is a problem, you know, not just with environment, but also with, say, talking about any other catastrophe, real or imagined. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily get people to do what you may think that they're going to do, right? I mean, so we, it's clear that capitalism is not delivering the goods for most people, right? But that knowledge itself doesn't necessarily lead to you know people coming up and you know um, well, well, how do you make a revolution how do you go about even organizing um, there's a lot of kind of confused analyses of what's happening in the world and I think that's what the concept of catastrophism is trying to, to understand how is it that um, you have a lot of people that see that there's a crisis but then instead they say well, we need more capitalism not less that's what some of the libertarians are saying mm -hmm. they're saying oh somehow there's not enough free markets I mean, this is just, you know, factually inaccurate. I mean, it's a fantasy mm -hmm. what the free market mm -hmm. is. or You know, there's people that are saying that there's an environmental crisis and their fundamental problem is scarcity, right? That's the peak oil idea. And, you know, peak yeah, oil, yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're in Houston, right? The oil economy, right? Um, you, you, can't, you understand what is it about oil? Is oil used 
for use, use value, or is exchange it use value. or exchange value? Exchange and value. the problem with the peak oil theories is that it thinks that oil is just about use value. Like we need oil as a society because we burn it in our cars, and and the problem is there's not enough oil, and therefore we ExxonMobil and we those the person who drives their car to work are the same we. <laughs> and to me, that is the problem with ideas like peak oil. It's like you got to look at that very simple word, we. So let's keep it really simple here. You know, what do you mean, we, we white men? What do you mean, we? Exactly. It's like as Tonto said to the Lone Ranger. You know, <laughs> what do you mean, we? Because you know, like, like, and, and that's why this is not you know, a, a radical idea in the sense of going to the root cause. The, you know, the ideas of scarcity. Um, it's fine for, for the oil companies to, to have everybody thinking that we're running out of oil because they can charge whatever they want. It's like, oh, oh, the oil prices went up. I guess we must, be, we must run out of oil. It's like, no. The reason that we have an oil industry is to make profit, not Money. to produce energy. That's right. Right? The same reason we have, um, you know, so that is that is the goal. Um, in the long term, is there, gonna, is there a finite amount of everything on the planet? Yeah. Yes. But long before oil and other fossil fuels run out physically or even become economically unviable, long before that period goes on, we're burning off the atmosphere of the planet. So the immediate crisis still with capitalism is not too little, but I was too much. That's too right. much of the wrong thing. That's right. Overproduction has been the crisis of capitalism, not scarcity. And now we could say, you know, the excess of environmental destruction, you know, the excessive amount of it is what's is destroying. So it's so you know, I think these are kinds of are these these are not academic distinctions in terms of understanding what's going on because you make create a different political alliance when you talk about peak oil because then mm -hmm. you ally right. consumers and companies and producers together say so we're the oil you know producers we're the oil consumers we're at, we have the same interest cultural hegemony right no we don't have the same interest whereas talking about climate justice climate apartheid you're basically making a distinction around you know what at some point we're all humans but up to till the clock strikes midnight some of us you know, a very few, <laughs> really a few hundred multi-billionaires and corporations are running stuff, and the rest of the people have a lot more in common with each other. Mm -hmm. And that is the distinction that you don't hear so often. Mm -hmm. um, and, and unfortunately, amongst most environmentalists, yeah. they're very comfortable talking about humanity. That's something that we can talk about. It's a great exercise to think it's of abstract, It's you abstract, know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And on some level, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a deep philosophical thing, too. Because you know, when have people talked about humanity? You know, most of our history, we've thought, ta thought of ourselves as part of tribes or groups or families. But is it really politically useful to prematurely talk about humanity when the people that are calling the shots don't themselves think of themselves as humanity, right? Mm -hmm. They think of themselves as, you know, um, environmental problems for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Wars yeah. for somebody else to fight. You know, you know, um, eating bad food is for somebody else. They're exempt from it. That's right. And we That's need right. to, you know, and I think that ha was the case with the Occupy movement and around the world, people are recognizing that class di distinction, but it's not just a class distinction, it's also geographic and racial and gendered. All those things, you know. Mm -hmm. When we, you know, we you know you've been talking about that a lot on, on this on this program, but it's not, you know. But it's 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 making an antagonistic distinction, which is necessary, mm -hmm. because otherwise, what's going to be offered is like, here we are, all humans together, um, we're running out of resources. <laughs> Let's all get with a program that just happens to be drafted up by Goldman Al Sachs, and, and it says here that. We all need to um, tighten our belts and create better pricing for markets. And 
and lock down the borders. It's it's funny, like you said about the whole peak oil thing, because that's real big. Where we're from, like the peak oil, and uh, actually taking a trip down to Venezuela, man. Like gas is like a quarter a gallon or something, so people just ride around because they don't have nothing to do because they just it's. I mean, it's so. I'm not saying like I said, there's a finite, but it's like peak oil. Oh, you just don't have your hands on their oil. That's what you're talking about, right? And so one of the overall, I just had to add that, but one of the overall overall things about catastrophism that I'd like to go into and why we really picked up the book was that, you know, we come from a community, the African community. We say it's the African community, not African-American. The slave, slave master can't be the same thing. But it's always seen, like one of the key things in the catastrophe, I want you to go into it, people automatically assume that there is a level of consciousness acquired through suffering, right? And one of the things that, you know, Sasha points out in the book is she said, sometimes it's times when things are quote-unquote great. Now, we ain't saying everybody floating and got full bellies and flying in the air and stuff, but in terms of repose, that people get consciousness or working together, not because of oppression, because oppression is meant to stifle you. It's not meant to develop you. So can you go into that and go into that's one of the thesis behind the book of Catastrophe? Yeah, thank you. I mean, and this is, you know, it's again, like... Like everything, it is a complex issue because I think communities that have survived, you know, African communities in the diaspora, indigenous communities around the world, um, they've survived the suffering precisely because they've been able to turn that around in certain kinds of, of, of ways. I mean, whether it's an expression through the blues and other forms of music, whether it's through keeping culture, spiritual practices alive, sometimes going underground, as you see with, you know, many... Um, you know, spiritual practices. So there is that very important piece, and that's the resilience, and that's something why it's 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 seemingly paradoxical that the greatest resistance in the world often comes from the most oppressed people. You know, mm-hmm. that is a fact. Um, you mm-hmm. know, you get like some of the most dispossessed peoples on earth, the poorest countries on earth, Haiti, mm-hmm. say West Hemisphere, Haiti, Bolivia. You've got yep. deep-rooted resistance. Um, but as you say, the other side of that dialectic is, dialectic. you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you know oppression is going to like. In, in elevate people's consciousness um, you know everybody knows the expression uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely mm-hmm. right uh, but it's also um, uh, a political theorist um, his name escapes at the moment who did work in Appalachian poor white communities and he, and he came up with the observation that absolute powerlessness yes. corrupts absolutely yes. you know and, and especially under conditions of we just talked about there is no alternative under conditions of capitalist culture when all people have to look for is more consumption right so you see this kind of fantasy of i'm i'm going to get out of here in order so i can be the person consuming so that used you know used to be a fantasy of being you know the king or the emperor now it's a fantasy of sort of bling or you know of, of overconsumption but yeah this is obviously a dead end you mm-hmm. know in terms of the community as a whole some people will come out and then they'll get their turn and then they'll get to be <laughs> conspicuously consuming but you know but I just want to say that so it's not a given right that 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 oppression or that bad times politicize people that's right but I do want to also say though that you know you look around the world where there's resistance that resistance it happens um, very often amongst peoples that have under undergone a lot and out of that have built unbendable or unbreakable bendable but not breakable Mm -hmm. solidarities and that is so much of what the state has done if you look at the prison build up you look at targeting certain communities they're trying to break that resistance that's right you know and so but I so I think that that you know we we have to say that and I just want to say because you mentioned in the earlier passage 
um, primitive accumulation. Mm-hmm. So break that down. What is primitive accumulation? I mean, primitive in this case just means original. First. Like first, first. Primary. primary. So we think about what is accumulation? I mean, this is, it's, it's basically profit, you know, taking, extracting wealth from labor, from nature. Mm-hmm. You know, that's capitalism, you know. But how does it start? You know the expression, behind every great fortune is a crime. That's right. right? Okay, well, what is this crime? Well, the, you know, the crime of Columbus, you know, it's all, it's all there. It's a 500-year story. You know, there's two pieces of the crime. Basically, it's expropriating lands from people right. who are dying of diseases. And that wasn't Columbus's fault, really. That was just that was the Colombian exchange. But that happened. People are vulnerable to diseases. Um, powerful nations take over their lands, expropriate their lands. That's they, And then it's the expropriation of people from their land, African peoples mm. from their land. And basically, 300 years of unpaid labor building this wealth you know that is you know this this original accumulation Mm -hmm. and the crucial thing to understand i think in terms of climate crisis and what's going on now is it is not over primitive accumulation didn't just happen at one time when columbus landed right and it didn't end you know when all the lands were taken and abolition of slavery it still goes on and how does it go on well we can see this exactly through climate crisis is one of the ways it goes on so, for example, when you have um, a storm, like the latest storm in um, the Philippines, what happens immediately? The whole communities are wiped out. Who comes in after the NGOs and the relief agencies? It's the, um, the real estate agencies, and they like say, "Hey, you, you know, you you can't rebuild this. Your fishing fleet's gone. But if you sell this, we can build some hotels here." This is, happens time and time again. Yeah. This is disaster capitalism, you know. So you're gonna see um, dam projects in order to deal with the climate crisis. Dam projects are a way of primitive accumulation. You're dispossessing people from their lands. You're seeing this, of course, within cities, right? Right? What is going on with Detroit now? That's a primitive accumulation. All of a sudden, we're going to take this art from the Detroit Institute of Art. We're going to start auctioning that off. All right, y'all. Y'all just been tuned in to the dialogue between Zari, myself, and Eddie Ewan. I told you it was some powerful stuff. It's funny because when he said... Absolute power corrupts. I was about to say absolutely, but I was gonna start saying, "Nah, Kyle said that." I was too. I was about to remember we was about. To, I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna say. Out. I thought he was gonna start throwing shit. I thought he was gonna say, "No, you know, there was a guy who said that." I was like a collar, right? And he was gonna say, "Yeah, you know." And I was like, "Damn, Eddie, you know the ghetto boys and the collar shit. You up on your hip hop, right? Underground, everything, independent, overseas. Damn, but nah, but uh, you know." I thought it was Eddie, but uh, if you have any comments you want to make about what we just heard, Zara? Well, um, when you talk about like the commodification of land and the real estate market and how he's saying that people say the solution is to continue to commodify real estate and, and housing and all that good stuff. The problem with housing is that it is commodified because it's on the market for exchange value thus you have houses and with that are empty and people who are homeless because those same people don't have the money which is the exchange currency to live in that house so you displace people mm-hmm. which is like he was saying about the hotels you know they they make they they actually buy people's housing up so that they can sit there and try to make it like you know trendy hotel and you know these trendy restaurants that they'll put in the middle of the city that yeah. ain't doing nothing yeah. you know so it's not helping nobody then you got more homeless people especially like here in Houston you know we've seen it and mm-hmm. they, they they build stadiums that 
for sports that are seasonal. You know, <laughs> so the stadium is empty the rest most of the season, and then it's homeless people right out front of right in front of it. It's fucking sickening. Well, anyway. the thing about it is, <laughs> well, the thing about it is, it's like it was a market. The reason why my African ass is over in America in the first place. Exactly. So what they so here it is, and that's the thing about primitive accumulation. It's the first accumulation, and it's what released the productive forces of the world. Correction, y'all. I just want to make a quick caveat. When the white folks talk about, oh, release, you know, white folks say, oh, it's good because it got people off the land. No, it got them off the land. Mm-hmm. Because what it did was lock the rest of us, our production and our development capacity got sucked in a colonial relationship where we were develop- developing for them. Mm-hmm. That's what colonialism and imperialism about. So it hasn't stopped. If it had stopped, it's not like if it had stopped, maybe they would have did what Garvey said, repatriated me back to Africa, mm-hmm. right? And I ain't talking about that shit they did in Liberia because that was done by the ministers and shit. Basically, that was colonization. They used the Negroes from here to go colonize Liberia and then they got rich and the Firestone Tire Company got all the rubber and stuff and Liberia ain't nothing but a damn colony on the continent of the United States of America and they got AFRICOM they already doing everything but do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It never stopped. Mm-hmm. It never stopped. They, they just, they, you know, it's accumulation by dispossession. Oh yeah, we stole you from Africa. Yeah, now you gotta buy a house. Mm-hmm. How am I gonna buy a house on this land? Oh yeah, you gonna buy a house on the land because we done killed all the Indians. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. They never healed the Indians. They put them on reservation. It was another observation. Um, you want to? I remember Zara when we first said this. It was something. Uh, 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 a technique it. said when we oh, was talking yeah. about mortal technique. It said oh, it yeah. brought, it to my, brought to your mind. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, and it actually kind of well. What I had something to say about Walter Rodney, what you said, but yes, when we interviewed a mortal technique and he came here to Texas. He was like. I'm amazed by how much like free land, like open land. And I mean, if you if you ever come to Texas, anybody ever comes to Texas, you will see this. It'll be big patches, huge patches of land <laughs> that nobody's on. And it'll be a for sale sign in the middle of a big, huge freaking pasture. Okay? Well, let me, ask, let, me, let me ask you a question, right? So, 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 so what stops people from just going up on that land, pitching a tent? And just saying, fuck it, I ain't homeless no more. What stops the people? The police. That's the state. That's the, <laughs> the police. No, well, let me let me put it to you like this. That's markets. Uh-huh. And the police act for the markets. Right. They the don't care about your ass. The market, right. It's, and that's what he was saying about the libertarians, all you motherfuckers who support Ron Paul. I said that shit. Because well, yeah, one of the things Ron Paul said, I remember uh, hearing him say, uh, when the hurricane hit Haiti, he said yes, Haiti have did not have enough capitalism. Yes, fool. Haiti had the capitalism from Thomas Jefferson when they all ganged up on him because they said, check it. If you free your black, you're coming to Haiti. It's yep. a black republic. It's a black republic. The whole world ran off slavery at the time. Yep. So the white folks, don't let, don't let the white folks be, you're no longer African, you know, because you need to be my nigger over here. Exactly. No, that's all they said. Because when Desilene <laughs> said, y'all, come on, you could, you get to Haiti, you free. They said, we got to stop this shit. <laughs> no, that's He's right. stopping the primitive accumulation. <laughs> Desilene will stop. I'm Desilene. I'm trying to stop that shit too. Long live Jean-Jacques Desilene. Right, because like he said, it ain't over. It ain't over. And one Race thing. is so over and so passe. Nigga, why you get hit up upside the head because you a nigga? Exactly. I, I, I don't want to hear nobody tell me race is over and then come hollering to me about you got caught a nigga. 
the rest of them. I can speak English. But I need your support when something happens to me. When something happened to me. That's that individualism. That's me and Walter 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 Rodney was saying we're talking about that individual. I said me and Walter Rodney, like we was hanging out yesterday. I was hanging out with Walter Rodney yesterday. (laughs) I'm just letting you know I'll be hanging with Walter Rodney in the books. (laughs) But but what I, can I say one thing? You he gotta said, hurry up, cause we running. We got we gotta okay. play a collar. Well, just I, feel one, a, I need to play a collar. Just one thing, cause you mentioned it. Okay. That Walter Rodney did say, okay, is that the like you said, it freed the productive capacity of the world, but. Walter Rodney was what, talking. What, what, what are you talking about? You're talking about capitalism, right? Yes, ca- yes oh, excuse me when I say imperialism, capitalism. I mean imperialism, capitalism. Walter Rodney said, okay, yeah, it freed you. The whole purpose was to free you from the tyranny of your family, the family relations. So you can go out and sell your labor power and you don't have to be at the whims or the dictates of the father figure or the family or whatever. And you can go and you can go work for the capitalists, right? So that that dispersed us and made us individualistic. That was the whole point. And then they tell us we don't have family values, right? But that was the point. That yeah, was that was yeah, the, the structure. That was the blueprint for what they did to the world. So thank you. Have a nice day. It's funny because like it reminds me when you hear all these these right wing pundits and some of the liberals. You know the liberals will be like, well they just can't help it because you know they have problems. I don't know what it is though. That is backwards. It, 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 well, it's just funny when you hear that and say like. There's no father in the home because as if the family unit as is conceived today, this concept called the nuclear family did not come out of the political economy of capitalism. But hell, from what, like Walter Rodney said, they freed you from the tyranny of the family. Mm-hmm. So when they talk about black men leaving the house, hell, I'm just doing what you told me, white man shit. <laughs> that's how you set it up, bitch. That's how, that, that's, that's how you said it was be a good pr- productive free citizen. You got you to gotta be careful. When they say be free and shit, they will free you from your land and your ass. I know that's why they they some tricky motherfuckers. Remember when uh, I remember something Noam Chomsky said when he said um they uh when the colon, first colonizers yes America is a settler colony let's remember that mm-hmm. said colony said we want to I remember Noam Chomsky said something like he said uh yeah you know we want to help the Indians right and Noam Chomsky <laughs> said yeah they helped the Indians all the way up to heaven. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't yeah, look. I don't want no more help. <laughs> I see. I see. When I see white folks coming up to me talking about they want to help me, I say no. Thank no, you. No, thank you. Don't come up to me saying you want to help me. <laughs> I don't need your help. If you want to be a comrade, you see, you talking different language now. When you say, "Yo, comrade, let's be in solidarity," I be like, "Oh, cool, white boy. That's cool. I like that shit. <laughs> right? We can get down with that." But when white folks say, "Oh, let me help you." Mm-mm. That's what you told the first African that got on that boat. <laughs> That's right. I'm finna help you right quick. Why don't you come on this we boat? We don't need no more your help. We don't need no help, but we're gonna kick it into a collar. So, a collar. Tell them about the absolute power and the corruption and the powerlessness, and we need to get that back. We're from a collar. We're gonna go back into Eddie Ewan catastrophism. That's the book, y'all. That's what we've been discussing. All right, we're gonna go into a collar. Peace. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, but absolute powerlessness does the same. It's not the poverty, it's the inequality we live with every day that will turn us insane. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, but absolute powerlessness does the same. It's not the poverty, it's the inequality we live with every day that will turn us insane. In a 
scheme of living My life wasn't hard But as far as Britain goes, shit, I practically starved Sleeping in a tracksuit, gas meter running out Electric cut off as well, candles lighting up the house Looking in my mother's eyes, I see how she feels The strain and the pain of just paying bills that ain't real And that's how I grew, like so many more And now it's part of who I am, I am very sure You wanna know the rage I feel in my stomach? Know my mum and dad split up when I was still in her stomach And not everything that happened I will put in 16s But I will tell you enough so you will know what I mean My boy's mother got cancer the same time as mine But his mother died and mine survived Shit was fucked back then When I was like 10 already had the mental strength more than many grown men Absolute power corrupts absolutely But absolute powerlessness does the same It's not the poverty, it's the inequality We live with every day that will turn us insane Absolute power corrupts absolutely But absolute powerlessness does the same It's not the poverty, it's the inequality We live with every day that will turn us insane This was a couple years after my stepdad left Did he really know the crazy mess that he left? Cause mum's done recover from the lumps in her neck But being poor and alone couldn't cope with distress Her my big sis fought So much so that now I hadn't left school When she left home I was 13 by now Still a little kid, innocent Next couple years though we'll turn him to a militant That is the result of no food in the fridge And every other day you're getting searched by the pigs Plus these patronising teachers though my grade sick Trying to emasculate me, yeah, turn me to a bitch And I don't mean a woman, please let me be clear I mean a spineless man because what do they feel? More than a working class black male with a brain When our energy is harnessed, everything changed Look at Pac, look at Marley, look at Hendrix, look at Garvey This is the potential that is wasted on a daily basis A racist, classist, world that we live in Still we're coming from nothing and we educate millions Absolute power corrupts absolutely But absolute powerlessness does the same It's not the poverty, it's the inequality We live with every day that will turn us insane Absolute power corrupts absolutely But absolute powerlessness does the same It's not the poverty, it's the inequality We live with every day that will turn us insane I understand why it scares you It's like how dare you Overcome obstacles that we have been careful to Place in your way, every step of the way In this so-called democracy where kids get sprayed Blacks and the Asians, Turks and the Chavs Crowded in council flats, living like ants Who's more confused than the poor white trash Talking the bullshit about they want their country back Never was yours, you should read more What they did to brown people, they did to their own poor People's memory short, so much that I'm seeing Black and Asian kids cuss Eastern Europeans No pot to piss in, makes competition I fail to see how this is an effective system Cats and dogs in America and Britain Eat better food than most of humanity We spend our technology only on killing How is this more than sophisticated savagery? It's like you said, the world is a stage Each person just an actor with a part to play Like the middle class kids, kids of the rich Have everything but yet still they piss On coke and ketamine, strung out on heroin I ain't generalising, look at the evidence Absolute power corrupts absolutely But absolute powerlessness does the same It's not the poverty, it's the inequality We live with every day that will turn us insane Absolute power corrupts absolutely But absolute powerlessness does the same it's not the poverty, it's the inequality We live with every day that will turn us insane Go to Glastonbury any year, you will see Unlike Carnival, it won't be calling with police This is London, kids on the very next street Had a very different life experience from me 
In my experience, they can't help but be smug After a lifetime of what they think's just good luck They're still more anxious and more thankless Unearned privilege weighs like an anchor That's why they copy what we do, trying to be what they not They will grow up though and get better jobs And maintain the system that they claim that they hated They can't burn it down, they got a stake in this matrix Hip-hop is just a fad to them, you didn't know? But to us, this is a living, breathing soul And yeah, they might backpack in South America Or even volunteer in an African village but all said and done, push comes to shove the shit hits the fan, the middle class and British That's just how it is Most rich black people are just as full of shit So more concerned with their cars and jewels But most of the world's poor looks just like you So more concerned with their cars and jewels Most of the world's poor looks just like you Absolute power corrupts absolutely But absolute powerlessness does the same It's not the poverty, it's the inequality We live with every day that will turn us insane Absolute power corrupts absolutely But absolute powerlessness does the same It's not the poverty, it's the inequality We live with every day that will turn us insane Primitive accumulation is, is something you made me think of, like David Harvey. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he, you see, it's primitive meaning first. Yeah. But David Harvey, I remember he said something like he likes to think of the accumulation by dispossession. Yeah. That way, people won't yeah. think that it happened somewhere in the past. Right. Yeah. It still goes That's on. That's right. It still goes on. <laughs> and 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 you know, you, you know, capitalism is, is is always has crises, right? And one of the, and one of the crises we know is following rate of profit. That you know, it, it's it's harder to make money the old fashioned way, which is by Paying people less than the value they're creating, <laughs> so we have to come up with these other ways. There's a sort of gotcha capitalism, all these taxations and fees, and you know all that. Yes. And there's also just like grabbing it straight up. Straight you know that is colonial you know, grass. and that is and that continues to this day. And in fact, we're some of the largest episodes of that um, in in world history going on, say in China. This you know, people moving from the land to the cities. What's happening to their land? You know, they're creating markets for it. Africa. Of course, if you read The Economist, they're always saying the problem with Africa is you don't have land, um, privatized land ownership. You have communal <laughs> lands. If you gave everybody in a communal land a deed of property, then they could sell it on the market and then people could accumulate more. And then, you know, and that is, of course, how enclosures happen, right? Yes. And they're talking, you know, so enclosures is the other. Closure you know, acts the in Britain. Closure acts yeah. in Britain and then closures go on in the world today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and the folks from George Cofensis and Sylvia Federici, um, Following, you know, CLR James, you know, they talk about um, the new enclosures. Mm-hmm. The new enclosures are is what's happening. It's not just something that was in the past. Um, and what are some of the new enclosures? What about the oceans? What about the atmosphere? What about the last rainforest in the Amazon? What about Antarctica? The ocean floor? All of these things are not privately owned as of yet, but they're coming up <laughs> with laws in order to make them so, and to and to circulate them. And of course, you know, again, I say. This also takes place within urban contexts, yes. within cities, within neighborhoods. Yes. And, I and guess within the body. Is the, yes. <laughs> hey, got it, got it, I know what you mean by that. My name is Jane Stone. That's British. I don't look like I'm related to the Queen yeah. of England. Yeah. Yeah. And how telling. much is your kidney worth? Uh, there you right? go, right? Because, because you know, this is, the, this, is the, this is where it's going, right? There's this the libertarians are. are talking about, hey, why is it that we can't sell our kidneys? There's a market for it, right? Um, you know the, the enclosure of the body is something which is something we all own, 
And if you own it, then you should be able to do what you want with it. I mean, you go from selling labor power to actually selling yourself, which is really ironic when it comes to like African people trying to sell yourself, right? That's some crazy. The new auction block. The thing about, like you just said, in terms of, um, you talk about like people, like you said, the way people are thinking, the consciousness is like, well, damn, like you said, I own my body. It's mine. It's mine. It's that's the whole thing about private property. And that's the whole thing that is like quintessential to the American values, individualism and private property. Uh, I remember uh, reading uh, Walter Rodney, uh, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. One of the things he said that the colonizers did was instill a sense of individualism in the African that really disbanded the collectivity, like you said. And so... I think one of the things when that uh, that uh, when that oppression starts to heap on people, yeah. on humanity, that individualism, especially when you have all these beautiful commercials and Jay Z did it and everybody did it and Beyonce's doing it, whatever she's doing, yeah. and all of them doing it, I think that's where you have to like question um, the the whole axioms of society. So that's the whole mm-hmm. thing. What catastrophism is saying, yeah. there is no easy out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. This is like that's so great. I'm bringing up Walter Rodney, and you know the, the individualism is like that's going to all add up to all. Every individual choice is going to add up to the solution. Not really, because not all individuals have the same weight. You know, so we know, we know that, right? We know that that you you can have three billion people doing you know using the better toilet paper what have you but as long as um, Carlos Slim or Warren Buffett or Bill Gates is doing what they do because they're making decisions at a different scale that's right you know? that's so that's right. that's but but you know this notion of, of private property right which is always being extended one of the things that the movements of the south you know are saying is rather than extending it why don't we actually roll that back in other words rather than commodifying more of the world what about decommodifying mm. some parts of the world mm. so this is what i'm saying that that we don't have to like reinvent the wheel here the movements that we're looking for you know are actually taking place around the world but they fly different flags you know so for example a famous movement that happened in South America what happened in Cochabamba, Bolivia and it was called the Water War. I remember that. Yeah, and the Water War was basically Bechtel which Bechtel was trying to privatize. U.S. company um, was one of several firms that got involved in this contract to privatize the water. So here we have a situation where Structural water... Structural adjustment. Yeah, and water is something which had been a commons for most of human history, right? Water was something that was so important to the world and it wasn't privately owned. And in fact, how can you own water? Water flows. Water is a very unique thing, as we know. You know so what, which water are you talking about? The water that was here two seconds ago or the water, go well, okay, in the river, right? So, so, so water is always managed through commons. Not exactly public, but commons. And this is something that's been re- coming back in the world is understanding some things are so important that they have to be commons, which is not a free-for-all. Commons is neither public nor private. It's something which is collectively managed for the good of all by, by communities. But it's, it can't be it's bought and sold. So what happened in Cochabamba was the people just simply rose up and said, no, this is too important, and won. And, 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 and the privatization effort was, was rolled back. And no, it's no paradise in, in Cochabamba now because um, there's, there's terrible water problems in Bolivia. But that move, which was the camel snout under the tent, right? Of like, mm-hmm. we're going to privatize water around the world has been challenged now and around the world people say maybe something shouldn't be treated as a commodity and that's why I mentioned the thing about organs because organs and human bodies generally were in the early days of capitalism treated as a commodity 
David McNally. Yes. You know, his zombies. In the book. Zombies. Oh, like, God. hey, where does this come from? One of the places to come from is body snatching for organs That's from right. the days of the enclosures when they in were England. hanging people because they were destitute and they would just hang them. In, 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 this is That's in the right. UK. Mm-hmm. A lot of, it dispossessed Irish people in particular and they would like take them for their body Britain's parts. first colony yeah. by the way that <laughs> yeah. was their first colony it wasn't us it was Irish I'm just letting y'all know so they was, Britain was is an empire boy. an empire you know and, and 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 people were like no and that's what the Frankenstein story came out of And mm-hmm. but so 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 this idea that bodies whether whole bodies in the form of chattel slaves or body parts those are considered to be ethically no those cannot be commodities right so we already have some limits on capital and of course we have this moral thing where you can't sell sex work right mm-hmm. that's not an official commodity but we all know it is right <laughs> and then for some reason some substances are not legal but others are mm-hmm. so some things are commodities so we already have we don't live in the the free market utopia that some libertarians say well everything is for sale but if we're already in that world you know um, for ethical reasons or moral reasons whether we agree with them or not then I think we politically can advance that and we can say no to the commodification of water and what about decommodifying other aspects of life land for example and certainly anything that involves the sustainability of the planet this is insane. These are not something that can be managed through markets because we know what happens with markets. Look mm-hmm. at the housing market. Yeah. Everybody knows what happened. Okay, did the market allocate housing for the benefit of the greatest good? No. Did it provide housing for the poor ever? No. no. Markets don't do that. And similarly, I think, you know, so the concept of decommodifying and not necessarily what we often think of as, as, as simply public property, but recommoning and giving people a stake in it, and, and that involves democratization. You know, the word that everybody says they're for, but not really. But like, really, what is it about? But these movements have got to be about living people have control over their own lives. That Greek democracy is... Yeah. Now we're not talking about like you know. Everybody's twenty percent yeah. is has got democracy. Eighty percent slaves. You know. um, the thing about um, we were talking about um, property rights and commodification. I guess the thing that I'm really like decommodifying I look at I look at America right and you look at markets all markets are created right I mean and that's the whole thing people are like oh don't worry like you said capitalism has great dynamic power it produces a lot it just doesn't distribute and in that production they you know steal a whole continent of population kill a whole bunch of people stick them in mines in Bolivia and stuff like you know but they produce some good soap and sugar you know molasses for some rum you know Cuban rum right but I guess uh, the the question I have is like you take about like like it would really have to you look at America which is property property rights is like fundamental to the po- the structure of this whole polity of the U.S. right the right to take the land so the, I think we when uh, so when you we talk about consciousness we're gonna have to, we're talking about a worldview literally of a settler population look at Australia. You got the indigenous in Australia. I mean, what do they fight for? They want to be Australians or they want to take the land? So, I mean, I just wonder how you see that. Yeah, no, this is right. So, decolonization, I mean, this is going to be... It's so important to anything we talk about. Like, I'm, like we're in the 21st century here, yeah. so we don't talk. You know, in the 20th century, you know, you had this the old school like socialist movement said, okay, after the revolution, then we'll deal with the woman problem, <laughs> or then we'll deal with the national question, or yeah. then we'll deal with whatever yeah. it is. But I or the environment, you know. We, but I think we're at the point now where we know we have to. 
integrate all of these perspectives simultaneously because we don't understand that, that there is no capitalism that's not always racial capitalism. It didn't exist, right? It's like you have this hypothetical capitalism that was colorblind, but that never happened. And in fact, you know, and in fact, we look at the actual history. It was necessary that it happened the way it did because you yes. had to go through that, you know, originary accumulation process. So it's not an accident. And and, and similarly with gender, right? You can't mm -hmm. say because now because you know that's that's the whole thing. Oh, we can just have let's just be gender neutral, you know, or even homophobia. Can we imagine a, a less homophobic patriarchal capitalism? Well, maybe, <laughs> but those. Things are foundational to it, yes. and we don't like. And so, this whole idea of adding on these different isms and oppressions. No, I think it's like it's it's. You need to have, I think, back to an integrated view of understanding the system in its totality, yes. but also not going through that whole prioritizing, you know, mm -hmm. question. So that gets you to the colonization question. Well, what is this? Is again, it's like um, talking about dispossession. It's not something that happened in the past. That's right. You know, you may not have direct colonial rule. Um, because the AK-47, you know, right. which is, we're talking about a dialectic, mm -hmm. it's causing terrible oppression within poor communities. But once once small arms were distributed around the world, you know, the idea that 5,000 British could control the subcontinent of India right. is not yes. feasible. That That's not going to happen anymore in that way. That's right. But of course, what does happen is you control the economies through the World Banking System, World Bank, IMF, not in a kind of conspiratorial that's way, exactly, but yeah. just through the, march, the market forces, which are seen, that's right, Daniel, and, and they're seen as natural. So the first move is I always denaturalize those things, which seem to be, oh, that's just how it goes. It's like, well, you have a balance of trade problem or oh, comparative advantage. You guys, uh, you have a monocrop of uh, sugar. Too bad the prices are low. Whereas you need to do import grains from all its rich countries and, you know, guess what? Archer Daniels Midland or whatever, mm -hmm. they, they're, they're all subsidized. So you create these, you know, these permanent trade imbalances. You create yes. these, these debt... Um, dead situations that will just get worse and worse and worse so that is that's the face of colonialism now all right y'all this is the end of this podcast but if you want to finish listening to this interview in its entirety all you have to do is go to conscientization101.com or c101magazine.com and subscribe today and you will have access not only to this particular interview but to all of c101's interviews past present and future plus much more so go to the site see the subscription benefits for full details you can see all the goodies and most importantly you will be supporting 100% independent media this episode has featured sounds from logic and last resort their song testimony from the album true talk the instrumentals you also heard the ghetto boys their song, Fuck a War, from their album, We Can't Be Stopped. Also, you heard from DJ Screw from his album, Three in the Morning, Part Two, the song, Pimp the Pen. And finally, you heard from McCullough, his album, Knowledge is Power, Mixtape, Volume One, and the song was Absolute Power. We want to thank Eddie Ewan for taking the time to interview with us and just remind you all that this was only part one of a two-part series covering the book catastrophism the apocalyptic politics of collapse and rebirth don't forget to check us out on twitter at consign one that's c-o-n-s-c-i-e-n the number one on facebook at conscientization 101 and instagram at c101 editors Thanks, and we'll catch you next time.